0: Do not project other people's standards and definitions of professional success onto yourself. You have to remember that success can come from many things that are not just money. Hi everyone, it's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization. And R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. Hello, Wolfpack fans. It's Marcy Bullock. Today, my special guest is Kaylin Bullock. Hi, Kaylin. Hello, Marcy, mother, professor, yes. all of the above. All the things. Uh, So Kaylin is the guest on the pod today. After 150 episodes, she is the one I have known the longest. And I remember in kindergarten asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you remember your answer? Um, A farmer? Correct. Yes. Yes. And so longest running career counselee in the history of Marcy Bullock. Is you and of course your sister. So I'm so delighted that you are here today to tell us your story. Uh, why don't you start off with a little bit about the pivots that you've made, starting from graduation from college and what you studied? Absolutely. So. I went to UNC Go Heels, though I still love the Wolfpack as well. So when I went to school, kind of at the start of college, I knew that I was very passionate about public service, social justice, community impact. I was a minor in social economic justice. I was a member of a social justice theater group. I did Apple service learning, spent some spring breaks and fall breaks on service trips rather than down in Cancun or Florida, but it was awesome. And I definitely felt that I was my truest, most whole self during those things. But I didn't really know how I wanted to channel that, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to major in like most people. Because with all of that said, though I did have those passions humans as you know are very dynamic and multifaceted people and i also loved math growing up i was a very analytical person i like statistics i was very competitive driven for better or for worse very achievement oriented and so i ultimately decided to major in statistics just like my sister who went on to do amazing things and it seemed like a very open ended choice couldn't really go wrong in STEM. It was challenging. It was hard. There wasn't a lot of women in it. All of those things kind of spoke to me. And so I paired that with my social and economic justice minor, which was kind of where I saw my most alive self, my most happiness and what I was really passionate about. And statistics, which I found a lot of those other kind of competitive, challenging, liking to do hard things part of myself kind of manifest. That's a great intro. And thank you for reminding our listeners about these cool things you did outside of just the academics where you were giving back to these communities that were less fortunate and how meaningful that was for you. And also this notion of you always being so analytical. I remember you would have to do all the assessments I brought home because, you know, you you started that in like sixth grade. And one of them was True Colors. And I remember you got green, which was analytical. And of course, I got blue, which was all right brain. I was like, oh, my gosh, you, your sister, your dad, all of the quantitative people. So now you were trying to decide, how do you marry this idea of using this analytical, quantitative gift that you had, super smart, excelled with doing something meaningful? So what happened after college? Yeah, so I think senior year, I was really struggling between like, what do I want to do? I was seeing a lot of my classmates, you know, go into banking or go into tech or these different or traditional pathways when you're a statistics major. My husband now, he was a stat major and he went into the actuary field. But I knew, I think, I never really questioned that that probably wasn't for me. Like I said, being in public service was something I always thought I was going to do. Though, you know, in school, I feel like when you tell someone you're going to work at a nonprofit or work in the government, you get a lot of like, oh, that's really cool. Like, oh, that's so important. Oh, that's awesome. But when you tell someone you're going to work in investment banking or a venture capital firm or a tech company, that's always seen as like hardcore and very competitive to get. Also worth noting, those Jobs make a lot of money. And those people must be really smart. So I think there was a big pull in me of like, I want to do something that's seen as that also, and I still want to do something competitive. But that's not really what I'm passionate about. So it was challenging to decide. I think I only really recognized some of that dynamic to an extent in college, I think it was more in the forefront after college, but I stuck to my guns in the path that I thought I wanted to do, which was moving to DC, that at least means I'm around public service a lot, and I can figure the rest of things out, I ended up getting a job at the FBI, which I thought was for me at the time kind of a good middle ground of, you know, an agency a lot of people know. It's not easy to get a job there, it's pretty hardcore, but, you know, it's still the mission is to protect the people, the American people, and uphold the Constitution, and it's a public service agency. So I decided to accept that job and move to DC. So you moved to DC to work for the FBI. And this was public service. It was in an exciting city. And how long did you do do that job? And what did you learn about yourself? Yeah. So when I got to DC, I was working at the FBI. It was a team of a lot of very young, smart people. I was essentially focused on kind of improving the business side of the organization. It was a lot of very driven people, and I immediately started having a lot of success in that job. I was very challenged. I was consistently getting promoted. And though I was still in government, I was, you know, making more money than I probably expected to after just four years in a public service job. But though the agency's mission was something that I thought was good and important, I was still in my role doing more management, consulting, financial work and didn't feel like that was my end all goal. And so through a lot of deliberation, talking with friends and doing research and looking at programs out there, I decided that I needed to do kind of what I would consider my first pivot in my career, which I am calling this a pivot and not a transition because I think how I chose to do this was, you know, not an entire career transition, but I decided to go back to school. And so that that was something that was big for me because, you know, I was... Having success in my job, there was nothing wrong with it. I was doing very well. I felt like I needed to still figure out what I wanted to do next. And I found that transpiring through going to school for me. Going back to school at this time and working for a federal agency, there's a lovely perk that I would love you to tell our listeners about because I remember you saying, okay, I'm starting at this salary. I think it's good, but a lot of your friends were starting at higher with these math majors. But like you said, Quick success, promotions really fast. And then what did they end up doing for grad school? When I decided to go back to school, you know, there's a very traditional route to do that. It's you quit your job, you apply to school, you take the GRE, and you become a full time student. I knew a lot of my friends that were doing that. But there was also an alternative, which I didn't know many people who had done at the time, which was you go to school full time while working full time, which seemed kind of crazy. But like you mentioned, there are a lot of incentives that jobs have, the federal government being one where you can get benefits to financial incentives to go to school while you work. So in my case, if I went to school, I could get a large majority of that funded if I stayed at the FBI for a certain amount of time. So I had a big debate and question at the time, which was, do I quit my job, go back to, for me, I decided to go to school to get a master's in urban planning. So do I go quit my job, go back to UNC, which has a wonderful program and, you know, go the more conventional route, or do I keep my job, work full time, go to school full time, And I consider kind of the latter of that to be more of a pivot, because I am also kind of a risk averse person, which is maybe why my career route has been more pivots rather than big transitions. But there's a lot of benefits of going to school while working financial incentives, which I mentioned, you also keep your full time salary, which is on top of potentially getting some school paid for and you get to continue working and getting work experience. So rather than having a year of work experience and quitting, then going back on the job market two or three years later, I got to go on. Job market with five years of experience because I worked the entire time I was in school. With that said, many downsides as well, which you probably witnessed from me very long hours, no weekends, it's not necessarily for the faint of heart. And on the school side, there's obviously, you know, you don't get to do some internships and fellowships, and it's tough to just be one track minded. You know, you have work going on as well, and deadlines and meetings while you're maybe in class looking at land use law, that's not always the easiest thing. But in my case, I i felt like the benefits outweighed the downsides. So I started my master's in planning at Georgetown at night while working at the FBI. And what you're saying about this master's degree at Georgetown, this is a huge perk because a private school... Probably 50 plus thousand a year would have been out of pocket, huge debt coming out. So being able to get through that time and work so hard while working full time, coming out with this very prestigious degree, then you finish up at the FBI. Now you're at your next pivot. I love that term. So what's going on in your mind at this point? Yeah. And you actually just made me think of something which I hadn't really before, which is uh, tailored to this. Folks going into careers in public service, you are extended degrees are not always guaranteed to be quote unquote paid off. If you are a doctor and you go to med school, you're pretty sure that that's going to be paid off down the line. If you're a lawyer, depending on the career you go, and you're pretty sure that's going to be paid off. But getting your master's in urban planning, you're not guaranteeing a career that's going to pay a ton. So that's, it's tough to know how to go back to school when you are in a career in government, in nonprofit, in the public service where your careers may not be making a ton, So I do think getting some financial incentives like that were really helpful for me to know that I can still do this career that I want to do, even though I have no idea what my future income and or success is going to look like. Absolutely. And with this degree in hand, you finished up your FBI, you're like, all right, I'm living in DC, you have this person who you think will be your future husband in the picture? What is going on with the next pivot? Yeah, so once I have this degree, I'm kind of faced with a similar question of, you know, do we do a pivot again? Or do we do kind of a big transition, which is I've now got my master's in urban planning, I'm equipped to go work for a city in planning or work for an economic development agency or whatever it is that I wanted to do, drop everything, find that job, though it would probably be a little bit more entry level. You know, I don't have direct experience in some of that. And I felt like I might be throwing away a little bit those five years of great professional experience that I knew was valuable. So I decided rather to leverage that degree, the reputation I had at the FBI and try to pivot myself. You know, my goal was to pivot into a team at the FBI who's doing the most planning adjacent work that I could find. Obviously, The FBI is not a city planning group. They're not an economic development corporation, but they were building out a campus that I was able to work on in my team. So, in this situation, I feel like, you know, I was setting myself up for a transition down the line that could be more lateral, which was what my goal was in these pivots. I I continued to work, which was hard. So I wanted to make sure that I used that. I got a new job at the same organization at the FBI. In this instance, I had leveraged a relationship I had with our CFO, who I was working directly for, who was wonderful and asked if he would support me in moving to a team that was doing campus planning there. And so He allowed it and I did that for a year, worked for an awesome team, a fantastic manager, and I got a lot of autonomy and really good campus planning pre-construction experience that I feel really positioned me for what I would consider my biggest pivot, which was eventually going to be outside of the FBI at some point. So with that under my belt, I felt a lot more comfortable marketing myself, my degree, and my experience to not have to feel like I was starting over. And that really shows that because you did such great work within a huge organization, you were able to shift to another role and you'd proven yourself. And now you're taking on new responsibilities related to this graduate degree. But it sounds like there might have still been something missing. So, what led you to your current job? Yes, there was definitely something missing, which I knew the whole time I was at the FBI. I wanted to work for a city, I wanted to be doing more direct economic development, community engagement work, which is what I had decided I wanted to do pretty quickly once I started grad school. So. I would consider this the biggest pivot, pivot number three, which is I accepted a job working at the New York City Economic Development Corporation, EDC for short, which is essentially the city's economic development agency. And I specifically work in city capital design and construction for me. What were some of the things that were going through your mind when you were deliberating on this and you might be able to throw in your partner and how that influenced you? Yeah, I was actually at home during one of his interviews and I talked with you extensively about this decision, but it pretty much came down to the agency to me felt like a perfect fit. The culture seemed ideal. The mission was exactly what I wanted to start pursuing more on the real estate design and construction economic development side, but the job itself was definitely not exactly what I wanted to do. Um, So I was deliberating back and forth on whether I should still try to find the quote unquote perfect job or if I should accept this. I got advice from you guys. I got advice from Tim, who is my husband, who knew what it was like for me at home, not loving my job. And I'm someone who can't fake it very well, even if I have amazing coworkers and amazing career. If I don't feel super passionate about it, he could tell. So he was very, you know, he wanted me t- to pursue whatever it was. And if this was it, he wanted that. And ultimately I got some really good advice from, from my Georgetown program director, who told me essentially, one, he knew the group's reputation and that it was really good and it would go a long way. He then asked me if I thought I could find some good mentors there who could help me move forward once I figured out exactly what that looked like. And I was like, yeah, I think there is that, you know, I interviewed with some, some pretty good people. And then he essentially was like, I think this decision is easy. I think you accept the job, you work your ass off, you find really good mentors. And then hopefully the possibilities within the organization will be endless, which ultimately I accepted it. And he was exactly right. I had an amazing first manager when I started, who's championed me and my goals right when I started. I worked as hard for him as I could. I learned as much as I could. And then since then, I've transitioned to another team doing some really exciting work of which some of that culminated in yesterday. So this podcast is good timing. But I think that was a big pivot. And that was a bit scary, especially accepting a job where I wasn't exactly sure if letting go of everything I had built at the FBI was the right call. But I think taking this route of pivots, just you got to put a lot of work in. And if you do, it'll usually pay off. Yes. And a lot of people listening are not sure if they should take an offer and they're weighing all the options. And you said some things about mentors and advice that you receive. What would you tell someone who's not really sure about choosing that job offer. Is there a little formula that you could offer to them to help them make that choice? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the advice I received felt really on point for me that, you know, you need to have a good combination of the agency and organization itself, the job itself, and then the culture, the salary, your work-life balance, all of that. For me, I felt like I was really going to have the culture, work-life balance, and the mentoring. The agency had a ton of really cool work that I wanted to do. And maybe this first role wasn't going to be perfect, but the advice I got, which was Once you get there, once your foot's in the door, you can meet people, people can see who you are, see your skills, you will learn about the organization itself as well, which especially in government and city, they're always complicated. So the more you know about their inner workings, the more you can be an asset, though, everything doesn't have to be perfect to accept it. And you can kind of carve out what that looks like for you once you get there. I love that. And it's patience, because you want to get there, you want to be doing exactly what you imagined. And when you wait and prove yourself, even no matter what they give you, they see how you're excelling, you get those opportunities. And one of the hard things I think that I talk to students a lot about is these two Ms, meaning and money. How did you reconcile those in your decision? For me, I have a lot of thoughts on this, because I feel like this has kind of been the essential crux of my career decisions, which have been really, you know, sometimes it's been really tough. And I I do want to highlight that sometimes these career pivots and transitions can mean less money. And that's, that's really challenging. Sometimes uh, this transition generally means making less money right now. And simply put, I experienced that in a very big way when jumping from the FBI to EDC, and that was very hard for me to grapple with. I want to... Preface money conversations and my thoughts on this just with a few things, just because I think it's important. First, one being, I want to be very clear that there are a lot of people who are forced to work, sometimes paycheck to paycheck, in order to support a family. And I totally recognize being able to take a pay cut is a privilege in itself that not all people have. So, you know, when I talk about my thoughts on this, I'm definitely focusing on the experience of taking a pay cut from, you know, a salary to a salary that is above the average. American individual income. And then, secondly, to people who are making a lot of money and that that is how they see professional success and professional value manifesting, that's also awesome for them. And I have no judgment for that at all. I have a ton of close family and friends who um, I think are doing amazing in their careers, and that's showing financially for them, particularly those of who are women who are typically crushing a lot of gender stereotypes in their respective fields. So everyone has their own journey for this. So this is, my kind of personal journey. But with that said, I do think it's like really hard and sometimes can feel very isolating to be in a career that doesn't make as much money as some people around you. Being in public service, nonprofits, government generally are not going to make as much as you would in a corporate job. And it's tough. I know this is such a big thing. I'll see a student start in College of Engineering and go, I think I should do this because I'm going to make a lot of money. And then they're miserable. And, you know, people, like, oh, I want to be a teacher and help kids. But then they think, well, wait, what is my standard of living going to be? So, what kind of advice do you have? Absolutely. So, I would say, I have four pieces of advice. First one is do not project other people's standards and definitions of professional success onto yourself. You have to remember that success can come from many things that are not just money. It can come from holding positions of leadership and power. The list goes on and on for everyone in their career. So comparison is truly the thief of joy. I love this quote. It was on my dorm room in college for very unrelated reasons, but I think it applies here. Comparison is a thief of joy in this aspect. Don't compare yourself to other people. Secondly, find some friends who are in the same professional ideals as you have. It's just nice to remember why you made the choices you do. You have common ground, especially for me living in New York City, where there's just wealth displayed a lot around you. Third, be open and honest with family and friends. I think this one can be a little hard sometimes, but I think it's important. I think especially among college educated people, we talk about money a lot. And sometimes it's about making less money, seen in a more demeaning or condescending way, maybe equating money with success. I think it's healthy to engage in conversation constructively to just unpack some of these assumptions with people you love. And then lastly is you can always change your mind. If your values or needs shift in your life and things become more important that weren't before, you can always change your job. You're not locked into the decisions that you've made right now. Phenomenal tips. All right, Kaylin, we're at our last question. So we're going to go in our time machine 20 years into the future. What do you need to hear from your older, wiser self today? I would say for myself, in a number of years, to continue taking risks. I think for me, it's always tough. I just, it's never fun putting yourself out there, but I've seen success in that so far. So why not continue doing that? And then just to relax that it's all going to work out. And no matter how much I overthink things or compare myself or try to do better and harder, it's probably all going to shake out pretty much the same. So I can just take a deep breath. Amazing advice, Kaylin. Can't wait to fly up to NYC and see you this weekend. Thank you. Love you. Love you.